Great to have you out this morning. Thank you for coming out to worship with us. Thank you for being here. Uh, It's always exciting to see God continue to speak to us, move among his people, minister where there are needs, and just be be who he wants to be. Hello to the live stream. Uh, It's great that you could be with us today. I pray that God is going to speak to you through the message today. I know he's touched our hearts already. He spoke to us prophetically. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is James. I am the worship pastor here, and I'm also one of the teaching pastors. And so I jump up here and and share some of the teaching preaching load, and I'm going to finish our series, Our Miraculous God, today. Uh, That doesn't mean God's going to stop being miraculous or that we've exhausted all topics on God's miracles, but I feel like the Lord has given me a message for today about that, and it comes from, uh, from a particular story from the prophet Elijah and a miracle that he did. And I want you to hear me. Maybe uh, you'll be doing the fill in the blanks today, or you're taking notes, or you're not a note taker. You're just letting things hit your heart and going to process. The one thing I feel like the Lord really wants us to know is that in every season of our life, and our life is just continual overlapping seasons in every season there's provision for the miraculous in every season there's provision God wants to do a miracle in your life no matter what season you are in today so are you ready to receive the word of God praise God I love to get that affirmation because you said yes and now heaven knows that you're ready to receive what God wants to say to you. I'm going to read from the story from 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Then I'm just going to make some observations about the content and context, not an exhaustive deep study. And then I want to to speak prophetically to what, how it would overlay on us on this side of the cross because this is pre Uh, salvation, pre-fullness of the Holy Spirit for everyone. So we need to understand the context. Amen? A text without a context is a pretext for error. So we want to make sure we rightly divide the word of truth. So let's dive in today. Are you ready? Are you with me? Praise God. 2 Kings 4. Now a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. How I many you know that's a terrible position to be in? So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? That's key to what we're going to find here. And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow containers elsewhere for yourself Empty containers from all your neighbors do not get too few. Then you shall come in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour into all these containers and you shall set aside what is full. There's the prophetic uh, speaking into what God wants to do. Verse 5, so she left him. Obediently, she did this. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They began bringing the containers to her, and she poured the oil. Her actions corresponded to what the word of the Lord said. So when the containers were full, she said to her son, bring me another container. But he said to her, there are no more containers. Then the oil stopped. That's vital for us to see. The oil stopped. Verse 7, finishing up here. So she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. That's pretty astounding. Can you picture in your house having just a tiny bit of maybe olive oil or something left, and then getting an empty container and just pouring, just watching that thing? It's not an illusion, not a magic trick. Literally, the oil is multiplying as you're... Can you picture what that was like? How phenomenal. Bring me another one. Bring me another one. As long as that empty container was brought, that oil kept going. So I just want to make a couple thoughts. Just, Just my thoughts. Again, not exhaustive, but my thoughts. So because it helps us understand the difference between what was happening then and what we can experience now in the new covenant. The widow here, she doesn't cry out to God. She um, appeals to the prophet, right? She is appealing to 
an established connection. There was a relational connection. Her husband was the sons of the prophet and he was a servant of Elijah. So it would be like someone you know, someone vitally connected there. And so that was kind of her avenue for, for appealing. She pleaded her case uh, and it was like, because of this, this, and this, I'm deserving, right? Because my husband feared the Lord. She never said, because I believe, because of my faith. She said, because my husband feared the Lord. And in her mind, it was because of this appeal, this covers me. And we're not sure the text doesn't say, uh, but she may have thought this was her only option, given the cultural view of women in society at the time. It was very much patriarchal, very much uh, male-dominated, and so there were certain roles. And uh, she wisely was going through the channels that she thought this is how this could come to pass. And so she had to make her appeal to, to the hierarchy of the day. And uh, like I mentioned, we don't read here that it says, like in the New Testament, when Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith. Uh, the author, the, the Holy Spirit-inspired author, doesn't give us those clues and so it almost sounds to me, go with me here if you will, it almost sounds to me like she had a little bit of, of doubt. She said, all I have is some oil. And I can almost hear, and I'm sure we've thought this same thing, and what in the world is that going to do? Have you thought about that? Have you looked around? The preacher, the church is telling you God's going to do great things. And you're like, but I only have this. This is my situation. And what in the world could God ever do with that? Come on, let's be honest. Let's get real today. And so we also hear Elisha's warning. I know what's coming. You shouldn't borrow too few containers. Because... The miracle stopped when the containers ran out. Do you think if she knew, <clears throat> excuse me, it would keep going, she would have found a few more neighbors and a few more containers? The text doesn't tell us. We don't know uh, how many there were. We don't know how long it lasted. We do know that um, she did sell the oil and it paid off her debt. And I'm sure that was a pretty, pretty uh, um, expensive debt. How many of you would just love for someone to pay off your debt right now? I'll put both my hands up. Wouldn't that be great? I'm amazed at what God will do with what we can give him. And so one thing we need to, to be marked by and learn is that if we keep bringing empty vessels to the Lord, he will keep filling them. And you know, during worship, he was asking you to bring your empty vessel to him. And did you know he was asking us to keep bringing ourselves to him. And he wants us to keep bringing ourselves to him. And he wants you to make time in your life to continually be before him. And we need to realize that the more flesh we have, the less empty we are, the less availability for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants. Destroy the flesh, get rid of the carnality, get rid of our agenda empty ourselves of us and I mean the flesh, the sinful dictates of the flesh and I promise you the Holy Spirit will come in and he will flow out and that's what we want rivers of living water continually flowing so more than that there's basic observations about the story that I made and you probably have some of your own and I truly believe whenever the preacher preaches and the teacher teaches there's my message, and there's the Holy Spirit message, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, God, just showed me this when you're preaching, and I was like, huh, I wasn't even saying anything like that. <laughs> but isn't God good? Because he wants any of us who share and speak to just be used by the Lord. So it's okay if he teaches you something different that I'm not even saying. He uses the word of God as an avenue to, to minister what you need. Every person in here, he's going to show you what you need to do. Every person watching, he's going to show you what you need. So more than what I've observed, we need to hear the prophetic voice and see the types and shadows of this story and, and receive them where we are today. Where are we today? 
We are after the cross of Jesus Christ. We are after the resurrection of our Savior. And we are after the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are in perpetual Pentecost today. Did you know that? And so what we need to see in here is not go to the man of God. Go to Pastor James. He will tell you what to do. No, no, no. That is not what we learn from this. We need to understand that Elisha here represents the revealed word of God to us by the Spirit today. He represents Jesus, who is the word forever settled in heaven. Come on, somebody. Now, yes, we need pastors and teachers, and that's a gift. And, and by, by us expounding the word, you're going to hear the word, okay? Don't, don't mishear me saying that you don't need a preacher, you don't need a leader in your life. But what you do not need to do is think that you have to go to a person to get direction. You need to hear from heaven. You need to hear from the Lord. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so Elisha represents the revealed word of God to us. And if we think about the ministry of Jesus, he was the perfect model of a Holy Spirit-led life. He allowed the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit to touch and fill every single person that he ministered to, and it was obvious. And not only during his earthly ministry, we see a picture of that, but that was a modeling of what I want you as believers to do when you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. How much more now that we live in perpetual Pentecost can we do this? So I want to encourage you and admonish you and exhort you today that you need to keep Jesus as the revealed word of truth at the center. Jesus as the revealed word of truth. Not the latest guru, not the megachurch pastor who's telling you something that may or may not line up with the word of truth. Jesus, okay, the name of Jesus. Jesus, the anointed one. There's a reason it's Jesus Christ right? It's Jesus, the anointed one. He's the only one with that name. So when you read scripture, Jesus, the anointed one has to be revealed, even in the old covenant. Amen, somebody. So we've got to understand this. We're always going to be moving from one season of life to another. I know some of you are in some rough seasons. We've just gone through some grieving, our precious family here that that lost Charlotte, and and you're going through something of of your own. You've been through something of your own, and there are seasons of joy, and there are seasons of of excitement. We've had some graduations happen. We've had uh, some... You've probably got a promotion on your job. Maybe you lost your job. You know, it's constant. There's going to be a season of your life and they're always overlapping. Things happen. Things happen. Trials, tribulations, persecutions. Do you know the enemy just is buffeting you? You know, sometimes we give the devil too big of a deal like he's personally on our case. You know he's not omnipresent. He just sends all his demonic hordes and spirits to, and they're just gonna harass you. Unless you get on that and say, get behind me. Get out of my life. But you're going to have those issues to deal with. And the woman, just this really hit me so hard. The woman didn't say, raise my husband from the dead. She needed to move on ahead to what season of life she was in now. This was the post my husband season. This is my kids are going to be taken from me. This is how am I going to survive now? And some of you are in a season right now where you're dealing with that same thing. And so she needed God to move in a season of her life. And we're going to find ourselves in similar seasons. And sometimes, hey, sometimes we've done it to ourselves. I'm raising both hands and both feet. Sometimes we've just done it to ourselves and we find ourselves in a situation that we did. We can't blame anybody else. But you don't need to stay there. You don't have to stay there in that season. And sometimes things have just been done to you. Somebody, you just had something done to you and you're like, I don't have a clue, God. Why is this happening to me? And the better question is, 
What do you want to do now, Lord? Where are we going to go from here? So let's look at our first fill-in today. This, this is, again, a main, a main takeaway for the message. Number one, for every season, there's opportunity for the miraculous. For every season, there is opportunity for the miraculous. For every season, there's opportunity for the miraculous. Don't exclude yourself, God. Obviously, it's not my turn. Maybe you're just going to bless them today. Maybe, maybe it's only something you did for the prophets of old or someone else in the church. No. Say, this is a season I'm in, and it's a situation I'm in, and God, this is an opportunity for you to move miraculously in my life. We need to trust that God knows what season we are in, and his timing is always perfect. So many times we feel alone and disconnected, and we feel like God doesn't know, but he knows. He knows, and it's a lie from the enemy that he doesn't know. And you tell Satan and his pity party just to go pack him. I'm not going to camp out there. I'm going to move on. I'm going to say, God knows I might be in pain. I might not like what's going on right now. But I'm going to embrace his love like we experienced in worship today. I want to receive that love that says, I'm with you now. And I know what season you're in. God's timing is always perfect. I do not want any of you to be in charge of timing for my life. (laughs) Nothing personal, but I want God to be in charge of the timing for my life. Isaiah 33, 6, and he will be the stability of your times. You need to make that personal and say, that is me, Lord, that is me. You are the stability of my times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. You know, salvation means nothing missing, nothing broken. Just like the Garden of Eden before the fall of man, God wants to restore you to that place through the blood of Jesus so that you can experience wholeness and salvation. And I want to tell you, I didn't mention this first service, this verse is a prophetic anchor and a cornerstone of this church. And it has been prophesied. And when you come into agreement with this, I believe you're going to experience even a double portion of that in your life. Because that is a prophetic utterance of this church, and we will always stand on it, and we will always believe on that word to continue to come to pass for this vision. The enemy knows about this vision, and he's constantly trying to mess with us. He's trying to discourage us. He's trying to destroy this vision. And you know what? He hasn't succeeded, and he's not going to succeed. And don't you dare partner with him when he tries to come against this church. You say, this is my church. This is what God has prophesied. I may not get everything that's going on, but I'm going to stay rooted and planted in the house of the Lord, and I'm going to be a part of the solution and not the problem. Praise God. That was a prophetic utterance from the Lord that I did not plan on saying. So talking about being the stability of your times and here and having what you need when you need it, I just want to share very briefly some testimony, uh, personal testimony from my past, uh, just to encourage you today. I know he's done it for, I know he's done it for, for countless uh, numbers of you, and we are always gathering testimonies. I'm going to begin video recording some of those. Uh, Last Sunday, I want to put it out there. Many of you got up here and went into a healing line. Just get word to us what God did in your life. Uh, You don't have to go up here and and talk like me. You don't have to go on video. But even if you could just give us a written transcript so we can share. All right, we want those. And it's just as easy. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't need to write a 10-page. You just need to say, this is what situation I was in. This is what God did. Praise God. And we can praise the Lord for that. That's called your testimony, right? That's your story. And we overcome the enemy 
by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony is the blood of the lamb. Amen. So that's all your testimony is. It's not giving glory to the devil. It's giving glory to the God. So we, glory to God. So we want to hear that. So this is a little bit of my testimony. It was 2007 and God had called my wife and I to plant, uh, to be church planters, to plant a church in Florida, in Claremont, Florida. We were living in Ocala at the time. Claremont was about 90 miles uh, south, uh, east-ish from there. And we really prayed on that, felt like that's what the Lord wanted us to do. We got some confirmation, we got some blessing, we got uh, it all set up uh, to leave the current um, staffing situation we were in at a, at a large church there. And so how many of you know when God leads you to do something, then you start looking, well, how are you going to make this happen? How are you going to provide? We needed to sell our house. And how many of you remember what happened in 2008? The housing market crashed and the, the rug was pulled out from under. Well, praise God, he called us to plant in 2007. We needed to sell our house, and I don't know, was it a week or two? And, you know, good friend was our realtor, and we had a buyer for our home. And we made a good profit on our home, uh, quite a good profit. And so, praise God, that was the first step, provision for the season, the season. And if the timing had been different, boy, we would have been, we would have been upside down and, and taken a huge loss. So then we sold the home, and then we needed a place to stay. I had already resigned my job. We had some severance that was going to take care of us for a while. And so we went down there and spied out the land. We prayed about it. We found a place we thought God wanted us to, to, to live. It was a nice new rental home. Uh, and, and so we talked to the, the owner about that, and we got home, and they called and said, we're sorry. I mean, you have no proof of income. Well, of course, I didn't have a job to go to. I was being a church planter. And we, we really were stepping out in faith and just trusting that the church would grow and take care of our needs and we'd do what we'd have to do. But we were going to do this thing. And so we got that news and our house was already pretty much packed up, I believe. And I, I don't think we even had living room furniture, as I recall. Um, it was an interesting time of transition. And we were going through some heartache and loss, the miscarriages. And uh, so we're planning this church, and, and they said, sorry, you don't have a place to stay. So you know what we did? We said, God's going to take care of this. We're not going to stress. I think I threw a, a blanket out on the living room floor. We, they had a picnic lunch or something, and we took a nap. Kind of like Jesus sleeping in the boat, right? We're just like, well, God, you, you've got this figured out. We don't. And it was that day later, maybe an hour or two later, I think the phone rang and woke us up. And the lady called and said, I am so sorry, Mr. Wheeler. Uh, my, my owner has looked at all your financials and you're good to go. We will rent you this house. So praise God. See, he does it. So we're now pioneering this church. We've got a few families we're meeting in, the, in this back kind of screened in porch area of a small when I say country club, people think, ooh, fancy. No, it wasn't fancy. There was palmetto bugs crawling around, and it was dirty, and we'd spiff it up and hang curtains, and we really polished that up to, to be a place to hold a church. And, and we were there for, a, for about a year, and the door, I think, was closing on that place or something. And we had in our hearts, we need some kind of more visible place, so this church is not going to grow. And I thought downtown was, would be a good location. I believe the Lord put that on my heart. So I went down looking for some storefront places. And there was a couple signs in the windows. And, and I called one and talked to the gentleman. And, and okay, so I'm not, I'm not telling him I don't have any money. I'm just looking at these in faith. Right? Look, I'm saying, God, you're going to have a place for us. So he showed us one. It was very narrow and long. And how many of you know when you've got a dream from God and you start seeing the answer everywhere? Especially if you've tried to plan a church, you're like, oh, that place would be a great, that'd be a great sanctuary. You're just desperate. Like everyone that comes along is the place that you're going to have your next church. And he said, I don't know if that's going to work for you. But I had stayed up long and drew out a plan. And he said, I have this place around the corner. It's a much bigger. Do you remember how many square foot it was? 3,000, 4,000. So it was a really ugly open place where they had some kind of a secondhand used, you know, and I was like, this place is disgusting. I didn't tell him that. I said, well, I don't know. 
He said, well, you think about it. And I don't know if it was that conversation or he called me later, but he said, here's what I'm going to do. You go in there and take measurements and you draw it out how you, you want it to be to have a church in there. And I will pay for the build out. Bob, you know how expensive that is to, to do? I will pay for the build out. I'll put the walls in there. Um, my in-laws were down there when the, when the aluminum structure was, was going up. And don't you know, he just said, I'll pay for the build out and we'll sign a lease agreement. You don't need to put a bunch of money down or anything. Praise God. So we did that. And we had a great little church there. I put a, a dividing wall. We had a foyer. We had a nice couch. We had one room for kids' church. We had the bathroom, the handicap accessible. Everything we needed for that season, God took care of. It, we didn't have much to give him, but we had our faith and we had our belief that he was going to do that. And many of you know who know our testimony, it was during that same season where we finally got the breakthrough. And she's sitting on the front row, a little Allegra Hope Wheeler. And every season, there's provision for the miraculous. Let's look at number two here today. What else can we take away from this story? God wants to hear from us what we need. And he wants us to give him what we have. There's two things. God wants to hear from us what we need. And he wants us to give him what we have. One more time, I'll read that. God wants to hear from us what we need. And he wants us to give him what we have. When we walk with the Lord, there's always... God's part and there's our part. There's works that accompany the faith as James says. There's something that you have to do that activates this step. You have to take a step. You've heard the phrase God doesn't move parked cars, right? Put it in neutral. Do something to say I'm headed towards you, Lord. And in this story the prophet said, what do you have? What do you have? Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. There's always a transaction to be made with heaven. There's always a transaction to be made with the Lord. He wants something from us. He wants our lives. Sometimes all we have is desperation. How many of you have been there? How many of you are there right now? It's okay to admit it. I'm in a desperate place. Just minister to her, Lord. Just touch her right now in her point of desperation, God. Let faith arise in her heart, God. That that next step that you have for her, if you give the Lord your desperation, he's going to do a miracle in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, it's okay. Sometimes we're desperate, but I want to invite you, don't stay in that place of desperation. If you're desperate for anything, be desperate for the Lord. Be desperate for God. Find something, anything, no matter how small, to be a point of contact to release your faith. Sometimes we just sit around and think, God, do something. But he's saying, I need to know what you're willing to give. Maybe, can you just give him one extra minute of prayer? Does that sound like a doable goal to you? One extra minute. And be faithful with that. Be consistent in that. God, I'm going to expand my prayer life. One extra minute. I'm going to spend five minutes with my neighbors. You say, I don't like my neighbors. That's why you need to spend five minutes with them. <laughs> Get out of your comfort zone. You got some good clothes that are just hanging in your closet. You haven't worn that blouse for two years. Why is it hanging there? It could go to the clothing room. Someone could be blessed. Someone who doesn't have clothing. See, we need to always keep sowing seed. Always keep sowing seed and attach your faith to it. Give God something and say, Lord, I'm giving you this. It doesn't seem like much, but I'm not going to make little of it. 
I'm going to believe that you're going to do the miraculous with what little I have. And if all you have is unbelief, ask God to help your unbelief. If you haven't heard the, past, the story of Pastor Maureen, when that's all she had was her unbelief, she said, help, Lord, help my unbelief. And God healed her son because her and her husband stood together. And that's all she had, and she gave it to the Lord, and there was a miracle there. Whatever you do, church, be specific. Ask the unimaginable. God's asking you, what do you need? Don't limit God. Do you know his word has the specific truth for you to declare and pray over every time you need a miracle? Ask him for what you need. Throughout the seasons in my life of ministry, I've, I've, I've become very aware that you need to be specific with the Lord. As the worship team grows through seasons and we struggle, we end up, you know, we're we have a drought of drummers or guitarists or singers, and we always say, we need to ask God specifically, Lord, we need you to fill this position. Lord, would you, would you send that in from the north, the south, the east, and the west? Ephesians 3.20, and you need to pray with this in mind. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Oral Roberts used to have a plaque on his desk that said, make no small plans here. Have you seen the campus? Do you know how many millions and millions and millions of students who have gone to the ends of the earth to make the voice of the Lord known? Because someone said, make no small plans. Ask God to do big things in your life. Ephesians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Every night we pray together as a family and we let our requests be known to God because he needs to hear them and we have specific scriptures we're standing on. And he knows, but you need to ask because when you declare it and when you align your request with the word of God that releases faith and gives him an opportunity to, to do what he wants to do. And it's not like you're in doubt and unbelief if you keep reminding him, if you keep reminding him, this is what we're believing you for. We trust you, Lord. Your word says this. We're looking forward to you doing it. It's done already in the spirit. We're just waiting to see it come manifest in the natural. Church, give him everything you have. Hold nothing back. You might think, I don't have much. All I have is unbelief. But this happened to me. This was a situation. Number three, let's look at it. God doesn't need much to make much more than you could ever dream of. God doesn't need much to make much more than you could ever dream of. Five loaves, two fishes, whatever. Your sack lunch. He doesn't need much to make much more than you could ever dream of. Give him what you have. Matthew 17, verse 20 says this. I say to you, listen, church, I want you to believe this, that this is real for you. This is a promise for you today. I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and he's given everybody a measure of faith, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Let me tell you, everything God wants to happen in your life, when it lines up with his will and it's according to his word, it will happen. And so that isn't some kind of magic, you know, phrase you say to ask for all your crazy worldly desires. That is, you've heard from heaven and you know God's going to provide it. If, he, if, he, if you will let it flow through you, God will get it to you. Have you ever heard that? If you're humble enough to say, Lord, I'm not going to hang on to this treasure. This isn't for me or for my glory. This isn't for me to build wealth or whatever, but I, I, I want you to move through me, then he'll get it to you. But if he can't trust you with it, you're not going to get it. Understand that. Okay? So let's work on that. First Kings 18.44, I love this visual. And when he returned the seventh time, he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a person's hand 
is coming up from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, harness your chariot horses and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. Look, he saw a tiny little cloud, but he didn't say, that's what I'm looking at. He said, I see a gully washer coming. I see the rain that needs to come, the latter rain that needs to pour into this earth. What do you see when you look around you? What do you see when, when you see things in your house, in your family? You, you see your lost loved ones. You see them lost and destitute, hopeless or eternity, or do you see them fully saved, full of the Holy Spirit, walking after the things of God and for the purposes of God? Call those things which be not as though they are. Let faith arise and see what might seem little and watch what God wants to do and make a big deal out of it. I want to encourage you. It would be a very good idea to connect with some fellow believers and come into agreement for the miraculous. Fill in number four. Never underestimate the power of agreement. Never underestimate the power of agreement. Never underestimate the power of agreement. The plan of the enemy is isolation. To be a lone, lonely loner, like Sid the Sloth would say. My daughter appreciated that reference. Notice from this passage that all, the whole family was involved in releasing uh, their faith to see what God would do. They all brought the empty vessels. So as much as possible, get your children involved, get your, your, your siblings involved, get your parents involved, get your in-laws involved. Everyone needs to be on the same page in agreement declaring God's word. See, if you really don't know what you're aiming at, you're just going to go off and be strategic. God's word says that my household will be saved. We are agreeing and believing and trusting that all my household will be saved. My long lost family, my children that aren't serving the Lord, whatever it is, we are agreeing. And so everyone needs to be praying that same thing, declaring that same scripture and coming together to see that come to pass. There are believers in this church that you can grab hands with. Find some other people who need what you need. That's a powerful thing. What do you need? Do you need provision? Find someone else who's in your same boat and say, we're going to grab hands and we're going to believe God and we're going to see God provide for us. And we're going to give that as a testimony. Do you need healing? Don't give up. Keep standing in that place to receive the healing God has paid for through the blood of Jesus and the stripes on his back for you. Is it restoration? God will do that for you. He will do that in his timing. But grab hands with someone and agree that he's going to restore what the enemy has stolen. See, God wants to use the church. He wants to use the church of grace and peace. He wants to use your fellow members of the body of Christ to release miracles in our midst. We need to walk in ordinary Christianity, and that is signs, wonders, and miracles. The world thinks that's extraordinary, but that is our ordinary destiny. That is our daily life of expectation. God, you're going to do it. Get up every morning. What are you going to do today, God? How could you move through me today, God? You come to church. Don't just come to be a spectator. Don't just come to be entertained. I wonder what songs they're going to sing today. Do I like the set list? Who's preaching? I don't know if I like him or not. Pastor James, boo, whatever. No. <laughs> come with expectancy. God, you're going to speak to me. You're going to speak to me. You're going to move. You're going to do something spectacular. I'm going to love the person I don't even like. I'm going to be used by you, God, from the parking lot to the lobby. Have a Holy Spirit expectation that God's going to do something. And don't be discouraged by what you see. You know, the worship team, sometimes on a Wednesday night, it's, it's quite humorous. There'll be two people out here. You know how exciting that is to start a worship service? You know, 
not ignoring the two faithful folks that have shown up on time for Wednesday night service, but even on Sundays sometimes. Uh, and preachers, when we're preaching sometimes, it's like the, the fewer the crowd, you, you, you start looking at that and you get discouraged. Don't look at what's not there. Look at what is there. Look at what God sees. God sees that there are more that are for us than those that are against us. God sees this room as a filled to the overflowing uh, barn for salvation, for the kingdom of God. It was years ago on one worship leadership team meeting I had the worship leaders all stand up there in the balcony in an empty room and we just stood there. I didn't tell them what we were doing. I said, look down in there. And they were like, okay, another one of these weird leadership lessons from Pastor James. And we went back into the room to start the meeting and I said, now tell me what you saw. And I'll tell you who's a leader when you hear what they say. I saw people being born again. I saw people being healed. I saw people saved. Someone with no vision says, an empty room, some chairs, carpet that needs to be changed, sound system we're not happy with. What do you see? See what God sees see what he wants to do and let's come in to agreement that there's an atmosphere and expectation for miracles to move in our midst amen somebody what happens when we have a corporate expectation for god to do what he's going to do you know it only takes one or two like negatron people to like sink the whole ship you got to really keep your heart in check that someone and it's just flesh and it it happens someone will come and say the negative thing we preachers get that often where we come down from feeling anointed and god bless people and someone who has an opinion is going to tell you what you did wrong or what you didn't do or how you offended them and that's okay that happens but you don't set your course by that you don't set where you're going by that amen somebody so if we set our vision corporately to see signs, wonders, and miracles, for God to do things. Uh, Last week, that's why we had that outpouring, and I was up there. I mean, I wasn't really kidding. I was like, anyone else want to dance? Anyone else? Because we're just going to let it flow. We're not going to put a lid on what the Spirit of God wants to do. It might seem weird. It might seem crazy to the outside world, but let's let the Lord do what he's going to do. And if it's of the flesh, oh, well, someone was in the flesh. But we want the authentic. We don't want to chase away the authentic because we're trying to shout down someone who might be in the flesh. And it's, it's an atmosphere of learning. It's an atmosphere of encouragement. People are going to make mistakes. They're going to step out and try some things. They're going to step out and... and we have a, a process where you can learn how to move in the Spirit, speak prophetically. And Pastor Diane's over that. Get in that class so, so you can learn to hear from the Lord. We're not going to let any person off the street just come in here and grab the mic and speak over this house. That just wouldn't be wisdom. Wisdom. God's not going to do that, okay? Uh, but don't complain about what's happening. Become a participant. Try it out. If you haven't danced, dance a jig before Jesus you haven't lift your hands, lift your hands up. Surrender. Stop being so straight-laced. You, you haven't run around the sanctuary? I remember a time when we used to run laps, and you have to have set a direction. Like, everyone run that way. Otherwise, we're going to have people running into each other. Let's bring back the one-way running. That's what I say. I think God is not nearly as uptight as we are. I'll just leave that there. Woo. Never underestimate the power of agreement. Did I read Matthew 18, 19 yet? Let's read Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. That's not just for two who have irreconcilable differences and have, offer, and have come together to, to invite forgiveness. That's really the context there, but it's true. For any time we gather and say the name of Jesus is more important than what may separate us. There's unity in the bond of the Spirit. Agree 
and pray with people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Use the name of Jesus. Invite and invoke the name of Jesus in every situation. The world uses Jesus as a curse word, and the enemy wants to dilute the power and effectiveness of the name of Jesus, but don't you let that happen. Every time you say the name of Jesus Christ, the anointed one, that should be a holy declaration about a holy God. So be careful how you use that. It shouldn't be a casual expression of exasperation, but it should be a statement that releases an atmosphere. Acts 2, I'm going to read verse 1 and then then part of 41. And the whole point of this is, this is what happens when there's agreement. This is what happens when you seek God together. Acts 2, verse 1 and then 41. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Literally and spiritually, there was a divine alignment and expectation. And here's what happened. So then, those who had received his word, listen, not everyone's going to receive it. Not everyone's going to receive it. It it is odd, the juxtaposition. You can have revival bursting out the seams in one location and a block later, people rejecting God. It is what it is. Those who had received it, and we, we want as many who have received to receive, were baptized. And that day, this is one day, there were added about 3,000 souls. Church, I believe we should take this literally and say we can expect thousands to come into the kingdom when we come into agreement. And what we need to understand is that if we're not seeing thousands added to the kingdom, maybe we're not quite in agreement. Maybe we have too many personal agendas. Maybe we're all trying to figure this thing out instead of letting God do what he wants to do. Amen. Come on. That's the truth. God wants to do it. We're in the way. Let's get out of the way. So when our waiting on the Lord as a believing group, when that intersects with his divine timing, the kingdom will come to earth and expand the kingdom of heaven exponentially. Church, God wants to fill up every container you bring to him. Some of our containers are our lost loved ones. Some of you, your container is a broken dream. That business you started that failed, that venture, um, a dream you had years ago and you're now in your retirement days and you're like, can I do that now? Absolutely. You're never too old and it's never too late. Bring God that empty vessel and watch what he'll do with that. Bring him your church. If you're not happy with your church, just give it to the Lord. Like I said, be a part of the solution, not the problem. Bring him your community, your neighborhood. Can I just say I'm tired of the the news every night where, where people are just being shot and stabbed? And that's what we see? The world needs the Lord. The world needs the Holy Spirit programs and and initiatives and legislation. Yes, let's push through godly driven legislation, but that's not the answer. That's just part of it. That's just what we can do in the natural. But what happens when God comes onto the scene? What happens when the Holy Spirit is allowed to touch the community? That's the change we're looking for. What happens when Deadbeat dads are turned back to the heart of the Father and they feel loved again and they turn their life around and they start serving the Lord. What happens when teens that are disenfranchised and disconnected find Jesus? They're not going to want to shoot each other. not going to want to stab each other. Bring everything to him and watch, God, watch what God will do. Mark 5, 40. This is echoing back to something Pastor Nate shared last week. Jesus was trying to get rid of the the doubters and the unbelievers and the mockers, and they laughed at him. And it said, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. This was the defining moment where a miracle took place, when all the doubt and unbelief was put out. 
when the mockers were put aside, when the unbelievers, listen to me very carefully. Whatever you believe in God for your miracle, this is your transaction with God. I can't do it for you. The pastoral staff can't do it for you. The, the elders, okay? They can't bring it about, but you and God can. I want to invite you, shut the door of your prayer closet and get to work. Close that door. Listen to what the Lord says. Obey what he says. Do everything he tells you to do. And when you hear from heaven, obey, no matter how crazy or silly it seems. What would happen if we all just obeyed the Lord? Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better than the best praise and worship service you ever experienced. You just obey God and watch what will happen. Close the door behind you. Close the door to doubt. Close the door to unbelief. Close the door to the naysayers. Close the door to the scoffers, the mockers. Close the door to the failures from your past. Let the past be the past at last. It's done. It's gone. It's over. Shut out the noise of a distracted world. Look, honestly, let me be real with you. I don't care what they're doing on TikTok. I could care less. That's just a distraction. Whatever the latest trends are, who's getting uber rich off doing goofy stuff, ignore it. Find out what God wants you to do. You don't need a platform. You don't need a social platform to be obedient to God. You don't need that to transform the kingdom of God forever. Shut the door to all that nonsense. Let God do what he's going to do. And trust him to do it what he wants to do it. Give him. Remember the promise and trust the process. Finally, number five. Finishing up here and we're going we're gonna to head into communion. Stay the course. Never give up. Stay the course and never give up. Never give up. You will not lose if you do not give up. The only time the enemy wins, and it's still temporarily, is when you give up, is when you stop. And if you've given up, get back up. If you quit, unquit. I'm getting back in. I'm putting my doubts behind me, and I'm stepping back in. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Church, fight the good fight of faith. Stay in the fight. You have people here to grab hands with that will encourage you in the fight. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. And we desire that each one of you demonstrate the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. Never, ever, 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 ever quit. Never give up. Thank you, Lord. So we're about to receive communion. These elements represent the body and blood of Jesus. And today, in particular, I want these elements to represent you giving the Lord your life, you giving him what you have, and trusting that he has a miracle for you in this season. The Apostle Paul said this regarding communion, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, symbolically, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why do we proclaim his death? Why not his resurrection? Why not his miracles? Why not abundance, prosperity? This is important. We need to go back to the cross. We need to remember the cross. We need to proclaim the cross. Why? Because without sacrifice... Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That means you're lost in eternity and separated and going to hell without Jesus. But because of his death, because of his blood, you can receive the Lord today. If you haven't made that decision, you can make that transaction. Because he died for us and because he rose again, 
He's the only God who rose again, who died for us and rose again. Then we can experience new life. But you know what? You need to go to the cross with him. You need to go to the cross with him. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross daily, every day. Don't forget about the cross. Don't forget about what he did. Is he still on the cross? No. But you need to go back to the cross and understand that that's, this is what this is about. It's essential for us uh, to bring our life today to him. Salvation. Salvation isn't, I've just gone to church my whole life. Salvation isn't, I'm a good person. Salvation isn't, I've just done everything they told me to do. Salvation is when you realize, I am a sinner. And my sin put you, Jesus, on the cross. And I wasn't worthy for eternal life. But you died in my place. And I recognize that, Jesus, that you're the only one that could have done that. It's a free gift. But we have to call on heaven. We have to declare that that took place, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So before we receive the elements, I want to do this a little bit different today. I want us to pray this prayer. You can do this at home, in private. You can do this anytime. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, and today by us praying this prayer together, it's an example. And congregation, I want you to pray it with me. That helps release an atmosphere of faith. So just take inventory. You're here and you've never asked Jesus to come in and do what he said he would do. You've never confessed your sin. You've never repented. You've never declared him as Lord and, and asked him. If that's you, you don't need to lift up your hand right now. I want you to, to make note of that. And we're going to pray together and we're going to settle that transaction with heaven. If you're at home watching, if you're watching after the fact, we're going to do this together. So let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. I'm going to keep these phrases short so that we can all be on the same page. Uh, Dear Father in heaven, I confess my sin. I believe you sent your son to die in my place. Right now, I confess Jesus as Lord. And I believe in my heart you have raised him from the dead. I ask you to make me a new creation in Christ Jesus and fill me with your Holy Spirit to live empowered by you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the elements in this holy moment right now the bread, the body, and the blood. I'm going to finish here in a minute with a prayer. Did you get anything out of that today at all? Thank you, Lord. There's some action steps that you can take. Number one, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it and you know you're a new creation in Christ, even if you're not sure, come to the altar afterwards. We want to make sure that deal is done between you and the Lord and you have some, some uh, materials to help you on your walk. Um, if you're fairly new to us, please uh, come see us in the welcome room back there in the back. You can meet one of our deacons and our pastors. Um, I want to encourage you to memorize the verse Ephesians 3.20 today and get your, your believer and your expector out there uh, to, do, to see God do exceedingly, abundantly. And then finally, listen, we're talking about miracles. You know you're a candidate for a miracle for the season you're in. Come down, have someone pray the prayer of agreement with you and stand in agreement for what you know God wants to do in your life. Amen. Let me pray right now. So, Father, I just pray over every heart, every person that heard this message, every person that's participated in this service today. Lord, only you can transform our lives, and we give you what we have. We confess you as Lord. And I thank you that today 
we've been made a new creation and old things are passed away and all things have been made new. I praise you and thank you and give you glory for that. I thank you for the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, what it means to us today. I thank you for what you did in the service. I thank you for this word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking every point of this message and helping us continue during the weeks and months ahead to believe you for the miraculous, to give you, Lord, what you need, to trust you, to make more of what, more than we could ever dream of out of the little that we can give, that we would never estimate the power of agreement and that we would stay the course and never give up. And I thank you for it. We seal this all today. Come your kingdom, Lord, be done your will. In the mighty name of Jesus and the church together said, amen. God bless you.